the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. 41 years ago... Roughly this month, California passed Proposition 13. It was the most consequential act of democracy by the citizens in California history. It was a taxpayer revolt. It amended the state constitution. It made me hate all old people. Now, I say that on air, and my bosses start to cringe. And I'm kidding. I'm being sarcastic, but I do hate all old people. You chew with your mouth open, and you smell funny. Shut up, Grandma. The taxpayer revolt, as I refer to it... Um, I think it's backfired. It's a multi-pronged attack designed by businessman Howard Jarvis and his supporters to do two things. Ease the overall tax burden and protect a stable culture of home ownership. In other states, grandma and grandpa get to move to Florida or Arizona. Prop 13 set tax rates at 1% of a property's sale price and capped annual increases to no more than 2%. I've owned property in California for 10 plus years and I still hate it, even though I benefit from it. It required future tax hikes of any form to pass the state legislator by two-thirds votes, and no one's going to take away old people's uh, low-cost bases and low taxes. My neighbor has lived in the house next to me for 40 years. His his annual payment is tiny. My annual payment is huge. We have the same homes, same values. He gets the same police as I do. He gets the same firefighters as I do. He gets the same roads as I do, but I pay exorbitantly more. Today, Californians remain among the most highly taxed people in the nation. Low property taxes have been more than offset by increased income, increased sales taxes, and increased gas taxes. Now, you might say, well, that's a wash with Prop 13, but it's not. It's a regressive tax, and it makes me hate old people. And it keeps people who shouldn't be driving on the roads in California. And we're just, it wasn't a system designed for the elderly here. For 40 years, the perspective has shaped city projects, schools, and much, much more. Homeowners have a disincentive to move if they had a low property tax bill locked in. Consequences are huge. It hits every generation. You know, it hit the baby boomers hard. It hit Generation X harder. It's going to hit the millennials harder. And, you know, you're like, oh, it's good for me. Screw you, Rob Black. But I'm not going to talk about Prop 13 for the whole segment. I will say that California should do something to make it more fair. It would be easy to calculate which communities benefit the most from Prop 13. Like Disneyland, they have Prop 13. They bought that property, what, 70, 80, 90, 100 years ago? Should they still be paying off that tax basis? What if I want to open up um, Wally World right next to it? I can't. The taxes, would it, it hurts competition. So we could use zoning laws to prevent construction of high-density housing. There's a lot of things that you could do. So I don't really hate old people. I don't like Prop 13, even though I benefit from Prop 13. But a friend of mine just uh, moved his family from California back to the East Coast. Um, It's worthy of note that the cost of living here is egregious with the income taxes, the state taxes, the sales taxes, the gas taxes. And uh, I feel bad for people who are 18 to 35 because you ain't getting into a house unless you make $400,000 plus a year. 
Now, let's keep talking about people who are 65 years old and older. That population in America is set to double in the next 30 years. Now, when we move people out of the state of California, because at some point in time they just can't even afford the sales taxes and the state income taxes, when we move them out, where are we going to put them? I put my mom in an old folks' home. Golly, was that five years ago, roughly? That's $100,000 a year. But they help her with her medication. She was not doing good on her own, having had a couple strokes. So it's good to have that idea of where do we go. Where do we go from here now that all of our children are grown up? So old people are going to be a growth industry on some level. Let's think about this for a second. If the population's doubling over the next 30 years, and as they age, it might not be a bad idea to consider looking into senior living facilities as investments. One of them is called Brookdale Senior Living, ticker symbol BKD. And please consult a broker advisor before taking any action on anything, any stocks ever mentioned that come out of my mouth. Um, It's got a big fat dividend because it's a trust. It buys old people where it buys for old people are going to live, right? There's more than that, though. There's Well Tower. Ticker symbol W-E-L-L. There's H-C-P. Ticker symbol H-C-P. There's Ventos. Ticker symbol V-T-R. And they're all real estate investment trusts or what are known as REITs. They all support dividends higher than 4% and debt loads that look manageable. And they're all going to be in business. Um, a friend, not a friend, a family member of mine, their house burned down in Santa Rosa. And he was, he was already pushing 80. And in his head, he was thinking, okay, I need to find a community, a retirement community. So two years before his house burned down, he bought a... a a home and a retirement community that he was fixing up and he was going to rent it out until he needed it himself. He now lives there. So living in these kind of managed communities makes a lot of sense. At the start, the roads are wider so they can drive. A lot of things are kept inside the property so that they don't have to go outside to go to a safe way to get food. They're less vulnerable, in my opinion, as stocks like the U.S.-China trade war. Um, there are going to be some that you have to watch, and you're going to have to watch the debt load. You're going to have to watch what are called funds from operation. You don't want your REIT going out and issuing new shares and raising money and paying that to you, because it's literally, I, I, I don't want to use the phrase, stealing from Peter to pay Paul. I don't want to get religious that tone, but you've heard that phrase, I'm assuming. So you're taking it from the shareholders to give it to new shareholders to give it to old shareholders. And it's just a pyramid scheme, and I'm not going to say it's a pyramid scheme. I'm going to say it's too similar to one. So there's one company that stinks out of all the ones that I just mentioned. Senior housing properties. I wouldn't touch it with your money. Um, they don't have good cash flow. Funds from operations. They're still paying their dividend yield, which is too high to me. So I don't care for it. Um, I want my dividends manageable. I don't want them to be free cash. When you have a dividend that pays you cash to own a stock, it should be in the 2 to 5% range. Anything higher than 5%. It's going to be riskier, and it's going to be exponential. So occupancy rates you're looking for in senior housing markets, 88%, not bad. 80% bad, 91% great. So there's going to be valuations that you look for when you're looking at at housing seniors. Care trusts, ticker symbol CTRE and Ventos, I think are, are very, very smart REITs. If you want income, if you want to tie it towards the demographics of the aging of the baby boomers, the grain of the baby boomers, whatever you want to call it. Again, not for everyone. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It is a trend investment, though, right? Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Let's talk something I don't typically talk about, cars. I am not a big fan of new cars, unless you're wealthy. I'm not a big fan of paying off your mortgage, unless you're wealthy. Now That's kind of scandalous things for me to say, right? Because we kind of grew up with the new car smell and the idea of paying off your mortgages. Buying a car should be fun, but it shouldn't be as expensive as people make it. When I see a young, when I was a younger man and I saw a young female in a hoopty mobile, that's what we called fun and sexy cars. Then I was like, I was like, if it's new, it turns me off. If it's if it's an old car, I'm like, sweet. Cars don't hold value well. They're bad investments. Every time I see someone in a Tesla, I'm like, you're driving an overpriced sedan. You're basically a financial idiot. And I know, how can you say that, Rob? It's, you know, gas is so expensive in California. California is probably the one state that has kind of broken away from the rest of the country as far as gas prices go. And it seems to be surging, um, not for the reasons that it should be surging. It seems to be manipulated on some levels. Now, again, we don't have pipelines. We have things that we're missing here. So I like used cars. To buy a two-year used car, way better than buying a new car. The best deal you can negotiate on a new car, though, the better. Because I know I'm not going to talk you out of buying a new car. I know you want that new car smell. And you're just a financial idiot. So that could be your first tattoo if you have a new car. As soon as you buy a new car, you get a tattoo that says financial idiot. So one day when you're falling in love with a member of the, well, whatever. One day when you're falling in love with another human being, they can see you're a financial idiot. They'll go, what this is all, what's this all about? And you can go, well, I bought a new car. Oh, you are a financial idiot. But if you're going to do it, negotiate the best that you can. Go to make it a process. Don't make it a one-week process. Make it a half-year process. Look and study and Google things like best deals on negotiation, best deals on new cars, best deals on Toyotas. Get to know your car dealer. That's an odd one to think about. There's no substitute for relationships in the car business. Um, I have, sadly, a friend who lost a loved one, and that family lost a loved one, another one. Um, They're all college friends, and one of them went on to start up a, a dealership. So all the friends keep going back to the same guy, even though he keeps selling cars to them that people die in. I know you're saying, whoa, that's heavy. But a dealership, getting to know, not a bad thing. So relationships can go bad. You know, my dad was uh, an American car kind of guy. A lot of Chevys. A lot of Chevys. Um, my dad really liked, who was it? Um, uh, Lee Iacocca, who took over and kind of tried to fix some of the car companies. And he did it on a very patriotic kind of way, which my dad liked. Uh, don't forget when you buy a car that it's all about a salesperson trying to get you to do it. Now, Costco's got a program of set prices and various online pre-sales processes. I would get a car from Costco. I looked into it. I, I ran through the program once. It's not perfect. There's also a company called Roadster that will do all the paperwork for you and deliver the car to your home. Those are probably the two best ways of doing it where you don't have to meet a salesperson. Now, again, no disrespect to salespeople, uh, but they're trying to get a commission. And they may be putting you in a car that they want to get off the lot because it's purple. They may be putting you in a car that has a lot of bells and whistles that no one else wants. So... Consider Costco or Roadster. My advice is prepare yourself with a ton of information and a really hard psychology that you can walk away. When I bought a car out of college, I went into the dealership no fewer than 10 to 14 times. Um, 
and the guy got kind of, he was getting, I'm not going to say pissy with me, but he kind of liked the challenge of selling me a car. Now, another story is I once got an, uh, what was it, an Acura? It was one of the new cars. Oh, I'll have to think about it. But it, it was, oh, a Nissan Altima. And what, the first year it came out, it was a slick little mobile. And it's really become kind of a, a an average sedan over time. So I went in and I said, I could afford a monthly payment for five years of $214 a month. I was a college student and starting a business. And the salesperson's like, well, can't do it. It's 298 bucks. And he says, just take it home and drive it. Take it home and drive it. So I come back the next day. And he's like, he, he goes down to 275. Come back the next week. He goes down to 250. Come back the next week. He gets down to 240. He's starting to like beg me at this point in time. I'm like, no, my number is 215. Right around there, give it or take a dollar. After a month, he wasn't able to sell me a car because I kept saying no. So he said, I need the car back. I'm like, okay. He's like, you put 4,000 miles on it. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I was going to use the car for delivering pizzas, and you gave me a car, and you said, take it home, and I delivered pizzas while I was in college, uh, or freshly right out of college. So when I started my business, I had to have a side hustle, which is that song by Weezer, Can't Knock the Hustle. Part of it was during the days I'd do stocks and investing, setting up corporate structure and trading, and at nights I'd deliver pizza when the market was nice and, and asleep. Um, so I wasn't afraid to walk away and I, I was a bit of a jerk, but I got a free car for a month and he probably got yelled at pretty good for not thinking that I would have the cojones to stick to my gun, so to speak. Um, consider getting pre-approved for an auto loan outside of the dealership. They make money in three ways, sticker price adjustments, financing, and all the bells and whistles and trade-in. So the sticker shock is the bells and whistles. The financing, they make money on. They instantly sell your own. And then on top of that, you get something like, uh, you know, the trade-in. Now, the trade-in is convenient because you just sign a couple of pieces of paperwork and they do it all for you. One car that I traded in was, the police called me a couple of days later and they're like, it's been stolen. I'm like, well, I, I traded into the dealer. And a lot of times the dealer will take it to a lot and try to sell it immediately like uh, cash for cars kind of thing. It was in such bad condition in itself, and someone broke into it and stole it. So they weren't going to turn around and put it on their lots. They weren't going to scrap it for parts. They were going to sell to other companies to scrap it for parts. So know what you're doing before you go in is super important with the financing. If you have a credit union or a bank relationship that you've had for a long time, you can get a pretty good deal. My bank offered at one point in time 2.99%, but I've seen it even lower, and I've seen 0% financing when the economy gets roughed up. So don't be completely inflexible. Uh... You may have to go with that purple car to get, you know, seven, eight thousand dollars knocked off because they really want to get rid of the purple car. You might generally like a Highlander Limited Platinum more than the Limited, but if you start getting caught up in that third row seat, which you will never ever use, or the two row crossover, um, you get caught up in what you want. And I actually had a dealer once tell me, he go, "I go, should I get a truck cover?" And he's like, "Should I get truck nets? Should I get this?" And he's like. 98% of the stuff we sell, other than the car, you'll never use. I was like, fair enough. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. May was a tough month. Now we're plotting into June. Always have a good list of stocks or mutual funds that you would like. I know a lot of people feel that two months ago they had to own Apple at 220. Now it's at 176. 
you had to own Qualcomm. You had to own something. There was that push inside you to own a, a tech giant like an Amazon. Let Trump go after Amazon first, and when he does, that's when you get the deals. Let's talk about deals and steals and, and whining and dining. Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. I was taking a look at your page one column, and sometimes you put stuff in bold, and it jumps right out at me that these companies are basically barrier companies, Alphabet, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, and regulatory concerns. Um, what are your thoughts about uh, the government going after? It looks like Alphabet and Facebook the most. Uh, what are you putting together as far as thoughts? Well, you know, that's right. Um, and, you know, and it's kind of like this this cloud of, you know, antitrust scrutiny or regulatory scrutiny is, <clears throat> has been hanging over those stocks for a while now. And so um, I think, what, you know, the, you saw the fallout um, um, on Monday because there seemed to be kind of like a collective effort now for the Department of Justice and the FTC to kind of divide and conquer uh, in terms of its investigation. So it sort of, I think, put uh, those companies and the investors in those companies on notice that, uh, something new is coming down the pipe that we haven't seen before as it relates to uh, this investigative work. And it's just kind of going to be one of those lingering sources of uncertainty. And I think, you know, there's some press reports today that are, uh, you know, uh, probably right on the money and suggesting that um, this isn't going to be a quick fix. It's going to be out there for a while. Um, and, you know, one of the other allegations or uh, insinuations that they're not likely to be broken up. Um, but, of course, you can't accept that as a total guarantee. But nonetheless, um, you know, it's just, it's just a factor that uh, you know, comes at a, a bad time, so to speak, for, for the broader market. And I think it helped exacerbate some of, some of yesterday's losses um, uh, as investors need to contemplate this issue. Good stuff. Um, interesting note. Do you know who Scott Galloway is? He's a New York University professor. Um, I, I know of him. Yeah, I, I think I've seen him before. <laughs> he came out. He's pushing a new book this summer. I'm, I'm a big fan of his like big picture ideas. And uh, he said, if you break up these companies, they're going to be worth more because people had never even heard of Amazon Web Services until like two years ago when uh, we're starting to see it could be one of the 10 biggest companies in the country by itself, even excluding Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, but I kind of like his thoughts comparing it to Microsoft. He was like, Microsoft in the 90s, they're too belligerent. Um, these guys are a little bit more conciliatory, and that should go a long way with government. But that's just me projecting on it. Uh, how about Trump, China, Trump, Mexico, Trump, Germany, tariff, tariff, tariff? Uh, is, that, is that starting to get into your head? Is it's, it's driving you a little crazy and you want to tune it out? No, I don't think you can tune it out. Um, you know, it's a real factor. Um, and uh, I think if you know, there's a lot to contemplate as it relates to um, – you know, the executive branch action there. Um, you know, one of the concerning elements, certainly out of last week's announcement involving Mexico, is just, you know, put other uh, partners on notice that you can't necessarily trust uh, what was previously agreed to uh, when when negotiating with this administration. Uh, that's, a, that's a major issue. Um, but, you know, aside from that, um, there's going to be economic impact when you've got, uh, you know, tariff measures being applied to some of your largest trading partners. And, uh, you know, and of course, they're looking to protect their own interest in that situation. And, and you know, 
will be retaliating. And so, you know, in the very short term, it might not be measurable in the data, but the longer these tariffs stay on and the further they escalate, the more it will start to, to show up in the data. And, uh, and I think the more it will continue to impact certainly business confidence and the willingness to invest in, in capital projects. Uh, and, uh, you know, that can have some domino effects. And so, um, you know, we heard um, last night Stanley Druckenmiller, one of the you know best investors of all time, um, you know, indicate that he basically you know went flat uh, and, and and started buying treasuries when uh, when President Trump tweeted out on May fifth that um, you know that he would be essentially you know raising the tariff rate on China. Um, and, you know, he just doesn't kind of really want to participate in this environment. And, and you, you know, I get it. Um, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to really know what to do at this juncture. And so sometimes doing nothing or going to, you know, assets that are relatively risk-free, uh, relatively safe, uh, can be the best course of action as you try to get some clarity around uh, some very important issues. Talking with Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. I start my morning every day with his page one. Market in a better mood uh, is the highlight or the the name of your your column today. I think it was um, Warren Buffett who once said, Mr. Market or Mrs. Market is moody. Uh, (laughs) Yesterday, tough day. Today, not so tough. Based on the mood, that can we play that? Like uh, buy on the dips uh, because that 10-year treasury is low and it's so low that bonds aren't the right way to go or maybe not the right way to go. Maybe stocks are. Um, can we trade off or invest off, excuse me, I want to use that word, off of a moody market? Right. I mean, sure, I think you can. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, one has to really understand and, and appreciate their risk tolerance and their time horizon, right? Um, you know, if if you have a very short-term time horizon, um, probably not the best, you know, most ideal environment right now. You really have to stay on top of positions to, to manage them correctly in this headline minefield that you've got uh, going on with, with trade issues. Um, and uh, But at the same time, you know, if you're looking at a multi-year time frame, five-plus years, um, yes, you know, I think these are the periods where you, you look for those opportunities to, to buy into the weakness um, supported by these low interest rates and, and the likelihood that interest rates are, are, are going to remain, you know, relatively low for an extended period of time. So, um, so you can be opportunistic, but, you know, you just really have to have a good feel for what your, your time horizon risk tolerance is and when, when you might need to raise cash by selling, selling stocks, because that's going to help uh, answer that question. You mentioned that Uber got, in your morning column, you mentioned that Uber got an upgrade with a buy. Are you surprised that uh, they got initiation of a coverage with a buy after the unsuccessful launch of their IPO? (laughs) Well, I saw that uh, I think no fewer than 20 firms uh, came out with uh, initiation of coverage on Uber today, Uh, 16 of them at the equivalent of a buy rating, four uh, at a, uh, quote, hold, you know, equivalent rating. And so... So, uh, you know, a great deal of um, 
backing for the stock, if you will. Um, probably, you know, no, I, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, I think that, um, uh, you know, Uber has this, you know, proof of concept uh, thing going for it in a way and that it's it's kind of standing out, you know, as a potential Amazon-like company. But, uh, you know, those are some really big shoes to fill. I mean, and, and you've got to have a lot of patience in terms of Uber growing into its potential, right? So it's, it's one of those story stocks that's going to be with us for a while uh, as, a, as probably a stock that, you know, defies expectations over certain periods of time and doesn't necessarily trade so much on fundamentals as it does trade on the, the conceptual framework that this company is going to deliver on that promise of really capitalizing the gig economy and, and um, branching off into, you know, multiple segments to change the way we transport goods and people. Uh, and if it can deliver on that promise, then, you know, there's probably something to it. And I think in this current environment where interest rates are low, uh, where there's still a willingness to, to buy into these conceptual story stocks, uh, it did not surprise me to hear that, you know, these Wall Street firms are, are still backing the company at this juncture. Anything that you're working on, Mr. O'Hare, that we should be paying attention to? Because uh, I've kind of monopolized your time with, with my questions. Anything that you think is insightful that we need to know? Well, you know, one of the things you've got to keep an eye on, of course, is we have the employment report for May coming out at the end of this week. And, you know, there's been one constant, certainly, as it relates to uh, the idea that the U.S. economy is in a relatively uh, strong position versus other developed economies is been the strength of our, our labor market. And uh, given the current narrative here where growth concerns are picking up um, and where concerns are being registered by what's happening in the Treasury market, uh, if that employment report ends up being you know much weaker than expected, it could really upset the apple cart here um, as those growth concerns um, you know, manifest themselves even more strongly than they have already. So, key thing to watch here uh, going to the uh, end of this week. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Mr. O'Hare. Okay, thank Patrick you. Patrick O'Hare, you can find him. Oh, you're welcome. You can find him at briefing.com. That's briefing.com, a great source for reliable and non-biased information on both domestic and international markets. Um, always like talking with Mr. O'Hare. I think it's always insightful. Walmart's doing something kind of interesting that I think we're going to see more and more of. And I think I'd like to see it from Google and Facebook and Apple sooner than later. Um, Walmart's the largest private employer in the U.S. And the cost of college is a big concern for Americans. The number of high school students that work at Walmart is just 25,000 out of the company's 1.4 million. But you can kind of see that in the future, we're going to need those teens to enter the workforce and maybe not have as much debt as four-year college programs that are out there. So Walmart's offering some pre-testing, free testing for the SAT. They're offering ways to help cut down on costs, including flexible work schedules. And they're offering some sort of debt-free college, which, again, it's probably going to be online-oriented. But I like the direction it's going. I think Amazon, Facebook, and Google all should step up and do the same. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Uh, Let me finish doing a little note. There we go. Uh, Top stories of the day. I think a big trend story is obviously the tariffs in Mexico and will there be tariffs in Germany. Donald Trump is in the U.K., Stephen King was tweeting hilariously about it. 
about how he looks in a tuxedo like a, a rich, bloated aristocrat from the 19th century uh, while he's hanging with the queen. And if you look at it, he does look like a rich, bloated aristocrat from the 19th century. But I think Stephen King, yeah, that's Stephen King, the one who does the uh, horror stories. I think that's good for him. He clearly has an issue with the President of the United States. Some things that I have an issue with, and don't even get me going on the whole list of things, is Disneyland's new Star Wars attraction. They got $200 lightsabers. They got $42 cocktails. A cocktail that cost $42. Now, I once had a $50 pot of coffee, which was literally what I would refer to as monkey butt coffee. But I was on a date, and I was trying to impress the lady after dinner, and I ordered you know, this. I know you're saying, wait, wait, say, say that again. You said monkey butt coffee? Yeah, it's the kind of coffee where they eat the uh, lemurs, eat the coffee bean, and then poop it out. And someone has a job of picking up dried poop with, with coffee beans in it, and it's incredibly tasty. But was that my wisest purchase? No. If, let's say for some reason, someone hits me in the head today, or formaldehydes me, which, does it really work like that, where you put a little formaldehyde on a, a rag and you can kidnap anyone you want? Let's say someone kidnaps me and puts me in the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge attraction. And they go, it's 14 acres. And I go, I've got $42 in my pocket. What can I get for $42? Can't get the lightsaber because that's $200. Would I ever, ever, ever partake in a $42 drink? Nah, not at Disneyland. Sorry. That's pushing too much innovation. And that's problematic for me. Oh, and the line started at 4 in the morning. I know you're saying, I'm on vacation. Let me get up at 3 in the morning, drive to the park, park the car, and get in line at 4 in the morning. For my brat. Oh, stupid does. Single day ticket starts at $129 from June 1 through September. Uh, for Disney, let's see, what is it? The base price for one day admission to Disneyland goes up to $149 per person now. Ages 10 and older. Man, oh man. That's a lot of money. That's one of the ones where you can try to get the summer pass if you can. And just try to use it a lot and then say, well, I did my one year. I, I went multiple times. But Disney's expensive for a family. You know, a hotel room, $400 plus a night just because it's within a mile or two of the park. Um, they have rooms like Disney's Grand California Hotel, $720 a night. That's too much. But the Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run, the ride recreates the experience of flying in the famous spacecraft piloted by Han Solo and Harrison Ford even said, wow. That was even better than the one that we had in the movie. I know you're saying, yeah. We're about a minute late on that, but it's okay. Olga's Cantina. Olga's Cantina. Oh, you can play it if you want. I'm not knocking you. Uh, they serve cocktails and beers and souvenir glasses. And you get musical entertainment, of course, by droids. But again, be prepared for crazy expensive. Savi's Workshop. Visitors to the store can construct and purchase their own $200 lightsaber. Droid Depot. You can create your own droid in the vein of R2-D2 or BB-8 characters. The milk stand, it's an eatery which will serve plant-based blue and green milk frozen beverages that were shown on screen in Star Wars A New Hope and Star Wars Last Jedi. There will be new music by this man here himself. John Williams created the film's franchise famous soundtrack. It's going to play throughout the park. One of the new rides inside the Star Wars Parkland thing. It's not going to open until the end of 2019, so if you want the total experience, you got to wait. Build your own droid. I forgot to tell you, that's 99 bucks. For the record, you can buy a lightsaber on Amazon for 7 bucks, But at Disneyland, it's going to cost you 200 So you get a mug with that Ogre's Cantina thing, and suddenly the $17 drink is a $42 drink. Single beers look cheap at $12 each. 
or $75 for a flight of beers. That just feels like it's too much. Coca-Cola is going to cost $5. You know how much Coca-Cola, how much Disney pays Coca-Cola for Coca-Cola products? Nothing. Coca-Cola gives away for free. Because if they can get your kid addicted to sugar, they've got a lifetime of selling you sodas. Every minute earlier you arrive at the Star Wars park, 40 to 50 people uh, difference. And there's always someone who's more hardcore than you, so getting up at 4 a.m. may not be enough. Um, And then get this. For your ticket, it only lasts for four hours. So you get a reservation, you get a wristband. Once a lot of time is over, Disney employees dressed as Imperial Stormtrooper soldiers from the Star Wars film escort you out. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> to be escorted out by stormtroopers, that would be kind of cool. But they know you, who you are and where you are by your wristband. They know what you are and buy by your wristband. You know, we look at Google and we go, we're giving them too much information. Are we giving Disney too much information? At Disney's also going to open up more Avatar rides and things like that since they now own 20th Century Fox. I know. I know. You hate Disney. Yes, I hate Disney. I, I feel like they're... And I, I love the stock. So are you with me against me? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Uh, pretty easy. It's pretty easy to get in touch. Uh, subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or Apple iTunes, but that may change in the near future. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.